Welcome to Holistic Sex Ed Radio, where we are changing the way parents talk to their kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe in our rapidly changing world. You are your kid's best source of information and primary example. In these thought-provoking conversations, Robin and her guests seek to improve your relationship skills, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. Now, here's your host, Robin LaCrosse. Welcome to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. I'm your host, Robin LaCrosse, and I am so excited to continue the conversation around menstrual health, menstruation, talking to your daughter about menstruation. So it is my profound pleasure to bring to you today womb visionary, red tent in every neighborhood founder, Deanna Lamb. Deanna has been on the forefront of the global red tent movement since it began. She started developing her menstrual empowerment work in the early 1990s and has been leading workshops internationally ever since. To date, she has trained women in over 30 countries. Deanna was the first to bring menstrual empowerment work to Israel, her country of origin, where she helped Jewish and Arab women surpass political and religious differences by deeply bonding as cyclical beings. Deanna's passion is helping women and girls love themselves unconditionally. She is the author of Becoming Peers, Mentoring Girls into Womanhood, and A Diva's Guide to Getting Your Period. She is the founder of Red Tents in Every Neighborhood, a global network, the Red Tent Academy, the Red Moon School of Empowerment for Women and Girls, and International Red Tent Day, which is celebrated globally on November 8th. Hey, Deanna, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Hello, hello, Robin. It's a great joy to be here. Thank you for having me. You know, I would love to know, like, what inspired you to get started with, you know, in the realm of menstruation, red tent, all these things. Like, where did, where did this stuff originate from? I know a lot of times this comes from, from personal experience and passion. And so I would really love to hear a little bit about your story. Yes, yeah, so I definitely came from my own uh, journey. Uh, I started this early 90s. Uh, I was in a place where everything was going well. My work was going well and my marriage was going well now, 30 years now later. Um, and once a month I became a basket case. I didn't have many physical symptoms that I had a lot of irritability and an emotional roller coaster during my period. And I started searching and looking into indigenous cultures and how they held menstruation because I was clear that nature could not have designed half of humanity to suffer every month. It just didn't make sense. So I discovered that indigenous cultures see menstruation as a time when the veil between the worlds is thinnest, when we are closer to the spirit world, to... um, our intuition to the sense, what, what the senses don't show us. And if we don't avail ourselves to be uh, connected with that, then we become symptomatic. Then we become, uh, we start developing sim- symptoms. So the red tent was not written yet. This was early 90s and the red tent was written in 97, 98. So I was charting uh, new territories for myself and as I did, I started offering it to other women as time unfolded and I was shifting my own symptoms and releasing them 
uh, I realized that other women need to know about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my work is is also really inspired by the you know the belief that other women just need to know this. Like girls need to grow up with this information, and yes. and you know if mothers don't know it to teach it, then that's where we come in to help fill yes. that gap. Yes. So, yeah. So thank and you so much for the mothers. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Well, I'm just realizing where you mentioned mothers and it's a big uh, juncture where a lot of moms come and say, why don't you work with my daughter and her girlfriends or the, the girls in my daughter's class? And I am at this point flat out refusing to work with the girls by themselves until I can work with the mothers. Because mm-hmm. we can't continue having our prejudice and taboo uh, legacies that we received from our mothers and have a role model to our girls that menstruation is something terrible that comes every month, but give them lectures about how wonderful it is. We just are going to confuse them and create an inner conflict much more than they already have. So the mothers are the ones that need to heal our own coming of age wound, our own adolescence wound, our own lack of being welcomed into womanhood in order to offer something to the girls. We can't start with the girls. We have to start with the mothers. Mm -hmm. It really makes sense. And it's interesting, you know, I came to that conclusion myself in my own work. You know, I've started out wanting to educate women about their bodies, you know, with my, my original intention was wanting to avoid unintended pregnancy. That was my primary wow. desire, you know, in my 20s and stuff. And and it's for a large part of the majority of women's life, you know, during our fertile years. Our goal is to avoid getting pregnant. And as I was discovering this stuff, you know, I was just like, God, what if my mom knew this stuff to teach me? And And so I started talking to women my own age. And then eventually I was like, you know, girls need this information sooner. And I briefly started talking to teenagers, but I was like, no, this isn't early enough. And so I came to the conclusion that mom is right where it's at. You know, it's like, yes. if you educate mom and teach her about these things, then then this education permeates a girl's upbringing, you know, yes. over the course of her life. And how amazing is that? Exactly, yeah. Women often ask me, when would I start teaching about menstruation to my girl? And I say, there is no time that's early enough. You model it. You don't sit and give a talk. You model it by holding yourself as sacred, by taking care of yourself, by taking time off when you bleed. And there is no time that's too early for that because this is your practice. You create a practice of self-care in your life and your daughter sees that. And you can speak about that, but it's not, okay, there is an age in which we start talking about it. It's not about the lectures or the talks. It's about modeling. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, th- I think you're the first person who's ever actually come out and said it that way because there's so much around the discussion of, you know, like how do you talk to your, your kid about menstruation, but actually modeling it. So I'd like to talk a little bit more, like what does modeling menstruation or a healthy way of addressing menstruation look like? So um, menstruation is part of the cycle. We have a full cycle and the full cycle is of expansion and contraction. So every month our emotional body as well as our physical body expands and contracts and we live in a culture where the value is placed mostly on the expansion. 
the light field, extroverted, outgoing, social, project-oriented life. And as women, we also have a time when we need every month to go inwards, to be when we're where our need is to be introverted, to replenish, to renew, to take care, to be quiet, to re- replenish our, our resources, to recharge our batteries. And we can't do that in an out, outgoing, extroverted way. So a modeling would be, First of all, to acknowledge that need to expand and contract, to be outgoing and ingoing every month, to listen to our bodies, and then to model it to our girls. So when I was raising my daughter, she's now almost 20, but she knew that when mom is on her moon time, she needs to go in and she needs to rest and she needs to be quiet and that that's something that when she grows and she gets her moon time, she will need to take care of herself in the same way. So it's not a lecture as much as it is a practice that she saw me and my husband living my cyclicity in a conscious way. That's, that's what I refer to when I talk about modeling, that we don't push ourselves to do, do, do every day of the month as if every day is the same because they're not the same. And our society really encourages women to treat it that way. Like yes. we have the tampon so we can just pretend that we're not menstruating and this sort yes. of thing. And so there's like this whole society and culture built up around that. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that and how parents might maybe counteract that? Well, again, it's not so much the parent counteracting it, it's the moms changing and shifting it for themselves. So we grew up with the message that every day of the month can be the same. We shove a tampon like a, a cork and pretend that nothing is different. I remember growing up, I grew up in Israel, in Jerusalem, and I remember a very uh, pervasive ad for a tampon. I remember the brand, and it doesn't matter. But they, it said with this brand, you can have every day of the month be the same. And as a girl, I thought it's a good thing. So as moms, as women, we have to unlearn so much because we can't still carry those beliefs and give something different to our daughters. So it's not for us to counter it for the girls. It's for us to, first of all, unlearn it and re-educate ourselves about how we can take care of ourselves, how we can maybe not shove a cork and not pretend that it's all the same, but allow ourselves to take time, allow ourselves to um, maybe take time off work, maybe just take half an hour. If we're working full time, maybe just half an hour, it's better than nothing. Uh, Maybe use products that are reusable rather than the ones that clogs the landfill. So all of that is... And the parental modeling of that is the byproduct of us shifting for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was just thinking about some of the things, like my mind is, is going as you're, as you're talking, and I was thinking to myself, oh, you know, when I, I stopped bleeding a couple of years ago, but when I was bleeding, I would often take like the first day of my period and really just go within like that tend to be like my crampy day and you know that sort of thing and so I would really try hard to set aside that day and not like have obligations and that sort of thing and I think it's 
and, and I would take time to like go and like do all my little charts and you know, I had this little cool moon chart that I would fill in color when I was bleeding and yes. really just tried to make it fun and have that day just be really reflective and kind of quiet and introverted and, and that sort of thing. And I think it, there's a lot of power in mothers demonstrating yeah. that type of behavior. Yes, mm -hmm. I, you're, you're describing very similar practices to what I had. I also no longer bleed. I'm in my wisdom years for some six years now. But I was definitely taking, I couldn't always take the whole first day. Sometimes I travel a lot to teach workshops. And when I was away and a workshop was scheduled and I was on the first day, there was nothing I can do. But I had to give myself homeopathic doses. So I would take the lunch break out of the workshop by myself. I would tell the women, you know, I have to teach, uh, to preach what I teach, what I preach and practice, walk my talk. So I'm needing to take some time off. So I'm going to walk and be by myself for lunch and I'm going to answer your questions later. So um, modeling also to the women that I worked with as well as modeling at home. And when I was at home, I was trying to take longer than, than just an hour. But for women who work full-time or have young children at home or are single moms and they ask me, how do I do that? So I, I really believe that the homeopathic dose is more powerful by far than taking nothing. So I'd say get up 10 minutes earlier in the morning before your family, just light a candle, close your eyes, allow yourself to go inward to release the month that has gone, the cycle that has gone with all of its highs and lows and joys and challenges and prepare yourself for the next month, the next cycle. Just giving the beginning of the day, allowing yourself to set the tone for the day. It's not a day like any other one, even though you can't take a full day off. But setting the tone is more than ignoring it altogether. Yes. That's really, really beautiful. I love that you're being intentional with your release. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think that's what we're meant to do. I think that's what our cycle is teaching us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and really kind of just like being consciously aware of that and perhaps make a little ritual out of it, um, you know, however simple or complicated you want it to be, I think is really beautiful. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about this some more. Stay tuned. Today's episode is brought to you by Good Vibrations and Fun Factory. We are giving away three fun cup menstrual cups. This is the perfect cup for a young woman. If you have a daughter who is currently using tampons or pads, she may love this menstrual cup. It is super cute. It is, there's a blue one and a pink one. It comes with two different sizes. There is, it's a 100% vegan product. It is body safe silicone and waterproof. So this is a great alternative to tampons, for example. Please go to holisticsexedradio.com and enter your name for a chance to win. If you don't want to be pregnant, one of the most nerve-wracking experiences is a late period. Lying in bed, wondering, worrying, 
waiting for menstruation to arrive, praying that your period will come. It's very stressful. Even though many of us are taught about menstruation, most of us don't have a deep understanding of how it works or what the body is doing. This results in increased stress, decreased sexual desire, sleepless nights, and sometimes unwanted pregnancy. What would it be like if every young woman grew up understanding her body to this degree? It could change the world. It could eliminate unintended pregnancy. It could help girls feel excited about and empowered by their monthly flow rather than ashamed and embarrassed. Since most of us don't get this kind of education while growing up, I put together a special free training called Understanding the Female Body and Cycle. Just go to HolisticSexEdRadio.com to get access today. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. So, Deanna, what I would really love to talk about next is um, how how can we, like for me, when I was, when I made these discoveries around my cycle, like it was really empowering for me. Like I felt like, wow, I have this whole new level of understanding about all of this stuff that I had no idea about. And all of my my peers know nothing about. And even apparently my mother knew nothing about this either. And so it's like, it was very empowering for me. And I know that you, in your work, you, you talk about like how to raise empowered girls and using this as a, as a way of gaining like some self-empowerment. Can you talk a little bit about that? I'm going back to the modeling. Mom needs to have appreciation for her body. So seeing our body as mothers, seeing as women, as seeing our bodies as a temple, taking care of our body, feeding it good food, uh, resting when you need to, exercising to keep it in shape. So the, the understanding that our body is the temple of our, of our soul is something that we need to live. And that is something that we can show our girls again by example. I have a book for girls that's called A Diva's Guide to Getting Your Period. And there is a chapter there that talks about our body as a temple. So this is something that, again, we can't be saying negative things about our body as mothers, looking at the mirror as women and judge ourselves and say, oh, I gained weight, or look at that, or I have to drop a few pounds. All the negative self-talk that we have either in our head or out loud, even if it's in our head, our daughters are picking up on that. So rather than telling our daughters how our bodies are beautiful or, or needing to be cherished, we need to do that. We need to live that. We need to model that for ourselves. And then our girls would pick it up by osmosis. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So if, 
if girls are learning about their bodies and how to um, be with their cycle by watching their mother, what about boys? Like, how do boys learn about this? Or, you know, like when it comes to talking to boys about the female cycle, what would you suggest for that? So I have a story I tell both girls and boys, and it's uh, also in my uh, Diva's Guide to Getting a Period book. Uh, and it can be adjusted by levels of maturity for a very young kids or a little older kids. And the story goes that in the same way that Mama Bird is building a nest for her baby chicks, and uh, she flies in the forest and she gathers little twigs and little furs that animals dropped from their back and little leaves and twigs and all and makes a very soft and cushy nest for their baby chick to be held in when it's born. So does mama's body, wise, wise body, creates a nest inside of mama's womb and it's full of nutrients and nourishment to welcome a baby, to be a nest for a baby if mom chooses to be pregnant and to bring a new baby into the world. And most of the month of our lives, mom does not choose to have another baby and the nest is no longer needed and our wise body is shedding that nest and let's go of it. But the body is all, ever and always hopeful. So every month it creates another nest. And every month that we don't get, get pregnant and we don't host a new life in our womb, we shed it. So this is an explanation, a story that is good for both boys and girls to give them an understanding of why mom is having her pads. The whole explanation is really to get our menstruation be part of our family's life, be part of what children see and know as natural rather than a hush-hush thing that has to have a conversation one time and only one time and then we forget about it. That's not how we model things to our kids. Yeah, that was kind of the description of, of my experience with my mom was like a one-time conversation where we learned about how to deal with the blood you know pads tampons etc etc and then there really wasn't anything else beyond that Mm -hmm. and i know now that i'm older of course that there's so many more aspects and facets you know Mm -hmm. to menstruation the energy of menstruation um you know so i'm curious like what comes to mind for you, like, when I say that, like, if, if you were, you know, if you were talking to a young person about menstruation and you, you know, weren't going to talk about, like, the physical part of dealing with the blood, what else might you say to them about menstruation? Well, as I mentioned, I come from Israel, and in Hebrew, the word for menstruation is veset while the word for thermostat or regulator is vasat. So you hear the the similarities, veset and vasat. And really our menstrual cycle, our menstruation is our regulator. It is our thermostat. Not that growing up in Israel, anyone paid any attention to that. It's something that kind of when I investigated, I realized that the root of the words is very similar, but it's something that no one really thinks about. It's not part of the culture. Mm -hmm. 
But going back to the similarity of those words, I would say that our menstruation is our emotional compass. It is our emotional regulator. And we can choose to ignore it, in which case it screams at us with symptoms, or we can choose to listen to it, in which case we live according to what our womb or our, our phase in our menstrual cycle is um, indicating. So like we said earlier, we expand and contract, by the way, with the moon, we expand and contract with the lunar cycle. And other than the physicality of shedding the inner lining of our womb, we are shedding the month that has gone by, emotionally letting go of the cycle that has been preparing for the new one. These are physical and emotional processes that are going on simultaneously. So um, imagine having a compass and not listening to it. So putting it in the inner pocket, navigating and not knowing where north was or where you need to go in order to get to where you want to be. That would be very counterproductive. Yes. <sighs> Sounds like a recipe for going in circles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and losing your way. Yeah, definitely. Well, you mentioned you've mentioned a couple times about symptoms, and I know that some people do have a lot of symptoms around menstruation, um, especially like with young girls. Their their cycles are just getting started, and I remember as a teenager, there was a few times where they were just so painful, like it was enough to make me sick, kind of thing. Which, you know, I mean, for some girls, that happens that way, and so I'm curious, you know if a young girl is having these kinds of problems or if mom is still having these kinds of problems, like what would you, where like, where would you start to help address these and kind of sort out, sort things out, like hopefully make the cycle a little easier to, to go through each month. So in my experience, both for myself, when I had symptoms of the early phases of my cycle and bleeding years as well as many women around the world that I've worked with, uh, my first proposition is that symptoms are not a requirement. I know that many of us have them, but they're not there as a requirement. They're not there as an inevitability. And in my experience, the more we honor our needs to be withdrawing from the hustle and bustle of daily life and replenishing ourselves. The, most, the more we honor our cycle and our menstrual blood, the more we listen to the expansion, contraction, the needs to become more introverted or to act on our extra extroverted impulses, the less symptoms we have. So I would say if girls have symptoms when they just start, it's really about their body trying things out for measure. It's not yet a familiar rhythm for their body. So it's not that the symptoms are there to stay. It's more like trying on a suit and it's too tight. So you try on something else that's a little bit looser and more comfortable. So the invitation is to listen inward with the symptoms and ask our womb, our psyche, our inner resources, our, our inner wellspring, our higher self, however words we want to put on it, what do I need to hear right now? What is the message? What, is, what are you trying to tell me? 
And often we will hear the more we listen, the more answers we will receive. And as we listen to the answers and we take steps to honor what the indication came from, was that came from within, then the symptoms usually dissipate all the way to disappear. That's my experience with my own symptoms when I had them and with the women that I worked with and, uh, and with young girls as well. They are there as messengers. So rather than killing the messenger with medications, we want to ask the messenger what the message is. And then there's no need for the body to continue to scream at us because we listen to what it needs. Yes, imagine that. We heed the, <laughs> and get the hint instead of the hammer, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about this some more. Today's episode is brought to you by Good Vibrations and Fun Factory. If you'd like a chance to enter into our giveaway for the Fun Cup Menstrual Cup, please go to HolisticSexEdRadio.com and enter your name for a chance to win. If you don't want to be pregnant, one of the most nerve-wracking experiences is a late period. Lying in bed, wondering, worrying, waiting for menstruation to arrive, praying that your period will come. It's very stressful. Even though many of us are taught about menstruation, most of us don't have a deep understanding of how it works or what the body is doing. This results in increased stress, decreased sexual desire, sleepless nights, and sometimes unwanted pregnancy. What would it be like if every young woman grew up understanding her body to this degree? It could change the world. It could eliminate unintended pregnancy. It could help girls feel excited about and empowered by their monthly flow rather than ashamed and embarrassed. Since most of us don't get this kind of education while growing up, I put together a special free training called Understanding the Female Body and Cycle. Just go to HolisticSexEdRadio.com to get access today. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at holisticsexedradio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. So Deanna, let's talk a little bit about coming of age ceremonies. I know that that this is something that you've spent a lot of time putting, you know, leading and putting thought into and that sort of thing. And I'd love to pick your brain. So you're saying it's what I have put a lot of thought into and I want to clarify that what I do primarily is retroactive coming-of-age ceremonies for us as women regardless mm-hmm. of our age, regardless of whether we're still even cycling or we're beyond menopause because I believe deeply that there, it's never ever too late for us to receive the ceremony we never had. So, yes, I worked with girls and welcoming girls and having summaries for them, but the majority of my work and what I travel around the world to do workshops on is to have the reclaiming of our own maidenhood. 
the healing of our own inner maiden and the coming of age ceremony that we never had. So that's a very um, common or typical um, misunderstanding of my work where women think I mostly work with girls, but I mostly work with our inner girls. Right? Oh, I, get, I see. I get it. Yeah, I totally miss that. So, yeah, I would love to hear more about reclaiming or celebrating our own. Maybe, so yeah. the work that I've developed begins with journeying back into our coming-of-age years, into our maidenhood, and starting to do some inner house cleaning because we have absorbed a huge amount of negativity, both from our mothers and families as well as from the culture at large. So attitudes of our mother towards her body and her cycle, which often was silence or just negative comments, uh, ads and radio ads and billboards and movies and songs and all of that giving us on one hand silence about menstruation or blue substances on, on pads in ads or very much a encouragement to be critical of our body, to not accept our body, to always be thinking that there's something wrong with how our body looks and it needs to change. So the work of reclaiming our inner maiden begins with journeying into our adolescence and starting to release and cleanse and let go of all of this negativity that's still lodged in our psyche from that time. And I believe that a lot of the symptoms that women experience relate to that as a, the foundation of the symptoms on which there is also the lack of listening to our needing to take time off and to rest and, and all of that. But there is a lot of negativity that's underneath that, that is lodged in our cells, in our psyche, from our time of coming of age. So that's the first step that I take women through is to clear all of those messages. And then we have a lot of space inside where all these negative messages that often we don't think on a daily basis but we kind of perpetuate and act on were lodged. So then when we open that space, it's like going into the cellar and cleaning it out and clearing it out and doing a huge yard sale. So once you've done that, you can refurnish your, your cellar. So then we can create the ceremony. So this, the first day of my workshop is usually the releasing, the cleansing, the letting go. And then the second day is being able to celebrate, to have the coming of age celebration that we've never had, to have the messages that we've never received, to, to fill up from, from the foundation up the holding, the uh, acceptance that we never had at that point, and we can have it in the company of other women now at adulthood at any age that a woman might find herself. Mm, I know, too, that these types of ceremonies can be very powerful, lots of tears, lots of healing. Um, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, what are some of the messages that women want to hear or tend to respond to when, when they hear them type thing? 
I would say there are two directions. One is that they want, they would have liked to have heard um, more actual explanation of what to expect and what it would look like and what would it feel like and just to know what to expect about the blood and the, the cycle, so preparation. And the other is to letting them know that all is well and that they are absolutely fine the way they are. So acceptance, embrace, emotional embrace, not only physical embrace, but messages of acceptance and rejoicing and welcoming and celebration rather than the negativity that we have received. Mm, yes, very powerful messaging there. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. I think... Uh, that actually will be helpful for for other, you know, for the moms as they're talking to their daughters too. It's like, oh, people wish they got more of this. I can do that for my daughter. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and do it for myself too, right? Yeah. So I'm going to say a word here about that, about doing it for ourselves. What I find that women moms come to me with um, being at a loss about their daughters because they want to give their daughters different messages and paint a beautiful picture about menstruation. The daughters roll their eyes and say, oh, mom, and go away. And the women are really not only frustrated, but dumbfounded. What's that about? Here I am wanting to give her something beautiful right. and she's pushing me away. So that juncture is what I see as the lack of their own welcoming and their own reclaiming of their own maidenhood. Because what happens is that the mom often thinks, not necessarily consciously, that by giving her daughter a ceremony or a beautiful picture of menstruation, she would heal her own coming of age. And that's not so. It's something that needs to be happening when mom, as a woman, delves into her own inner world she can't do it vicariously via her daughter, through her daughter. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she offers something beautiful to her daughter is not going to heal herself. So her wound is showing underneath the cracks, underneath the floorboards. And that's why the girls often push away that because often the, the way it, ca it comes across is very overbearing. For you, it's going to be beautiful. You know, I'll do something that I've never had. And for you, it's going to be something you never forget for the rest of your life. It's like, whoa, mom, mm -hmm. chill. And that intensity <laughs> is because we don't have it soothed and solved within ourselves. Right. So what I'm finding is that when the women as mothers themselves go through that healing, then they come to their daughters from a very different place. And then the daughters are very receptive and willing and able to hear them because it's no longer coming from a, an ulterior motive of wanting to soothe their own adolescence. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because I was thinking as you were talking, it's like, oh, I could really see you know mom wanting to do well and be like oh i never had this as i was a kid growing up you know and and i want my daughter's experience to be better so i'm gonna talk to her about sex i'm gonna talk to her about menstruation we're gonna have this celebration you know all this kind of stuff and maybe don't stop to find out more about what the daughter wants and appreciate and like you said i'm sure that a lot of people don't even think oh wait i need to like stop and do my own healing work here too 
Yeah, yeah. So the overbearing comes from the fact that it's mom's agenda, not her daughter's agenda. Mm -hmm. And her agenda is such that she needs to address it inwardly and do mm -hmm. the healing inwardly for herself. And that's, um, that's what I am called and am passionate to do. Yes. And if, you know, and if there's a mom out there who's feeling like, who's like listening to this and be like, oh, I was about to like have this big celebration for her. And, you know, and maybe she's stopping and taking a, a moment to like look and see where that desire is coming from. Do you have any tools or anything like that to help mom kind of go in and, and start looking at this type, these types of things? And yeah. So first of all, I would invite the mom to have her own ceremony, which can be, you know, either with me or with, or I have my other book, Becoming Peers, Mentoring Girls into Womanhood, has ceremonies for moms and adult women that uh, they can do for themselves and with each other for, for adult women. So that, that would be the first step. But yeah, the second step, I would like to say the story of my own daughter. She was... Um, at 12 when she got her first blood and I being an extrovert person on a good day not when I'm bleeding I was thinking I'm going to have a great party there are so many adult women in my daughter's life that would want to celebrate her and would cherish that opportunity and I had the state of mind when she got her first blood to stop and ask her to not go ahead and plan what I wanted but to ask her what she wanted and she said, you know, I want Linda and you. Two women she wanted. Linda was, is a friend of our, the family who is also a close friend of my daughter. She's like a heart auntie to her. She wanted her and she wanted me. Mm -hmm. That was it. I had to swallow and realize that my big to-do shindig was my own need, what I would have wanted to have mm -hmm. when I was her age. It's not her need. She's a much more of an introvert than I ever was. So we had a beautiful ceremony in the Redwoods here locally in Northern California. We had a very intimate, quiet, deep celebration where we had two adult women, you know, my daughter's mom, myself, and our friend, and that was it. And if I had pressed away with my vision, it would have been totally not she what she wanted. So I would invite mom to do both things. One is to look at how she can give herself the ceremony she wanted. And two, uh, when it comes to her daughter, to ask, not to assume and not to plan, but to ask. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And kind of following up on the heels of that, um, when my niece got her first blood, she, her mom, you know, told all of us, which we were all excited, but I, I'm curious what your thoughts are about sharing the news that your daughter has gotten her first period. Like, I know for a lot of us, that's exciting news, but what if the daughter doesn't want all the relatives to know or that sort of thing? Like, I'm just curious, like what your thoughts are around sharing the news of your daughter's first period. So I'm taking my cues from myself at age 12. My mother immediately went and told my dad and I was mortified. I was completely not ready for that. I didn't want him to know. I wanted her to ask me and if she asked, I would have said no. So from that, I took the question to my daughter when she first got her period and I've asked her, can, first of all, I said, can I tell your dad? And she said, yes. And then I asked her about other people in the family and she said, not yet. So... I would take my cues again from the girl. 
and at some point she might be ready and it may be a week later but it is her decision it's a personal occurrence it's a rite of passage in her life it's not an event for us as the parents it's an event for her and to let her take the lead and to defer to her mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense we're going to take a quick commercial break and when we come back we're going to i like to actually, I actually like to talk to you a little bit about the red tent Today's episode is brought to you by Good Vibrations and Fun Factory. If you'd like a chance to enter into our giveaway for the Fun Cup Menstrual Cup, please go to HolisticSexEdRadio.com and enter your name for a chance to win. If you don't want to be pregnant, one of the most nerve-wracking experiences is a late period. Lying in bed, wondering, worrying, waiting for menstruation to arrive, praying that your period will come. It's very stressful. Even though many of us are taught about menstruation, most of us don't have a deep understanding of how it works or what the body is doing. This results in increased stress, decreased sexual desire, sleepless nights, and sometimes unwanted pregnancy. What would it be like if every young woman grew up understanding her body to this degree? It could change the world. It could eliminate unintended pregnancy. It could help girls feel excited about and empowered by their monthly flow rather than ashamed and embarrassed. Since most of us don't get this kind of education while growing up, I put together a special free training called Understanding the Female Body and Cycle. Just go to HolisticSexEdRadio.com to get access today. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. Hey, everyone. We're back. So, Deanna, tell us a little bit about the Red Tent. Like, where did the seed for that idea come from? And and how, how can people find one or create one? Or, yeah, tell us more about Red Tent. Yeah. So, like I mentioned, I started my work with menstrual empowerment in the early 90s, 92, 93, when the Red Tent book was not yet written. Once it was written and I uh, started mentioning it to women, most every woman that I talked with about the book said, oh, yes, I read it. It's an amazing book. It changed my life. It's the best book I read. So I realized that not only that it's, spoke to women, I think that it awakened a cellular memory of ours because we all have roots in indigenous cultures if we dig deep enough and we all sat in moon lodges or red tents or moon hats and it awakened something in us that we remembered sitting together with other women when we bled. But I realized that it saves me a lot of explanation because if I say the red tent, women know what I mean rather than if I say menstrual empowerment or any other word, red moon, which is the name of my business, they, I have it to explain a lot. So I started using the red tent as a shortcut to women getting immediately what the premise is because they read the book. Right. 
Anita Diamant herself, the author of the book, says that she did a lot of research, however, that she invented the words red tent. So in indigenous cultures, are, the words are mostly uh, moon lodges in Native American traditions, moon hats. So they're called differently, but the red tent itself is Anita Diamant's uh, creation, even though the book is based on a lot of research. Mm-hmm. So um, the red tent is where in old cultures, in indigenous cultures, girls and women sat together from first blood until the end of life. So the girls in indigenous cultures knew that when they come of age, like their older sister or their cousin or their friend that's older than them, are going to the red tent every month, they too will go there. So it was something to grow up and anticipate entering this temple mm-hmm. and it was something that brought together multi-generations of women so from girls that just started bleeding in their teen years all the way to women in the wisdom years of their lives who no longer bleed but still sit in the red tent so in this day and age when our culture is so fragmented, we have the teen center here, we have the senior center there, and never the two shall mix. It's an opportunity for women of all ages from first blood and on to sit together and to appreciate each other's station in life and each other's wisdom at wherever phase they're in mm-hmm. and to have cross-pollination from different perspectives in life. And it's a beautiful thing. Yes, it is indeed. So can you tell us a little bit about your free gift, the Red Tent Activation Meditation? So the Red Tent Activation Meditation is a way of awakening our cellular memories of having sat once upon a millennia in a Red Tent. So my work is that I travel around the world and offer red tents to women. And the meditation that I'm offering you you as a gift is a taste of a guided visualization, a shamanic journey into the alternative past in which you as a woman sat in a red tent and awakening that visceral memory in your cells, in your heart, in your soul, and having a connection between who you are now and between who you were a millennia ago, making that bridge. Mm-hmm. Great. That sounds awesome. So we'll put the link to that on in the show notes for everybody. Yeah. And, you know, if somebody wanted to find out or to participate in a red tent, how would you find one? So um, on my website, dianalam.com, there is a shop and I have red tent um, manuals there for women that want to start a red tent. And I have a manual for mothers and daughters, women and girls. So that's for women who want to start a red tent for multi-age, for uh, different ages, girls and women. So that's available there. Um, in your, my, my vision is to have a red tent in every neighborhood, and that's the name of my Facebook page. So um, you can go on Facebook and look on red tents in every neighborhood. There are resources there. Uh, there are women that I trained around the world, so there are red tents in uh, many countries. Um, there isn't one central place 
there is a place actually on my website where it says on the navigation bar, bar it says um, global red tents, I think it's called. So you can look there and all the women that have certified have their um, web addresses and their email addresses in many, many, many countries. So there's uh, spreadsheets according to countries. Um, I also offer once a year a Red Tent Academy online where women can learn how to offer them. So I would encourage women to come to my site and look for one and come as a participant, but I would also encourage you to take some of the possibilities of training either online or as a home study or in one of the workshops I travel to offer for you to be able to learn how to offer one because we need to have a Red Tent in every neighborhood to change the world. Yes, we do. So what happens inside the red tent? Like, so if somebody started a red tent or uh, found one locally and went to participate, what might they expect to find once they're inside the tent? So this is so varied. There is no, it's a very grassroots movement. There is no one way to do a red tent. There is no hierarchy of people that say how it's it's done. There are no bishops and archbishops to say Uh what the uh ceremonies are. So you can expect anything from a care, self-care party where women would paint each other's toes and comb each other's hairs and have PJs parties all the way to having deep emotional journeys of healing, like what I do, the, the inner maiden and anything in between. So um, I don't know that there is an expectation that can be fulfilled mm-hmm. over all over the place. It's very different how women hold sure. it. The way I teach women to hold it is that the red tents are always focused on our cyclical experiences. But even that is not always the case. There are red tents where women do yoga together and women that offer other healing modalities would offer it in the red tent like Reiki and uh, hands-on healing. So you have to experiment. You have to experiment. But in the... um, Manuals that I wrote, there are many activities that are offered as suggestions for you to hold in a red tent, and they are mostly connected to our cyclicity. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks so much. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you. It's been a joy to be here with you, and I hope to meet you around the path. Yes. Maybe uh, you'll be in my area one of these days and I can yeah, come, come to one of your events or maybe I'll be in your neck of the woods and I can do yeah. the same. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. pleasure. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us today. While these conversations may be difficult at times, the rewards are well worth it. We have the power to change the world by what we teach our kids. Join host Robin LaCrosse next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another thought-provoking conversation. Thank you and have a beautiful day.